This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week, we look back at the NESCAC championships for our cross-country teams, which featured some historic results. Plus, head coach Matt Coyne tells us what the football team is working on heading into the final two games of the season. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The cross-country teams traveled to Hamilton College in Clinton, New York for the NESCAC Championships on Saturday. The men matched their showing from last year, taking fifth place. Meanwhile, the women matched their second-best finish ever at NESCACs, taking third, with senior captain Jill Richardson taking third individually. The best finish for a Bobcat woman at NESCACs since 1996. Head coach Danny Feldman breaks down both of his team's performances. Well, Danny, first of all, I mean, your overall impressions of your first NESCAC championships with the Bobcats as head coach, I mean, what were some major takeaways from the weekend uh, out there in Hamilton? The kids showed up big time. It was a long drive out to Hamilton, six and a half hours. The weather was pristine. The course conditions were awesome, which we weren't really certain what they were looking like just because there wasn't a lot of videos out there. But the men and the women stepped up, and they performed with the best in the conference. Well, what was the course like? Because um, I saw some fast times on personal records. Uh, you know, in cross country, that can totally depend on the course. So obviously, it was going pretty fast. Absolutely. The first mile was uh, slightly downhill, but it rolled right from a slightly downhill into a pretty steep uh, uphill that pretty much encapsulated the second mile for the women. And the men had to do two laps of that big hill. So it was very much a, a challenging course uh, overall, but it was an honest course. And People really showed their fitness out there. Excellent. Well, let's start with the women's team. Um, third place at the conference championships. But something people should know is that in cross country, you want the lowest score possible. And I read that this was actually the lowest score the women have ever posted at NESCACs in terms of performances and whatnot. So what really stood out about what they were able to do, led, of course, by senior captain Jill Richardson, who got third individually. Yeah, Jill... I feel like sets the tone for all of our races because she is such a savvy racer that I think her teammates are not only able to gain confidence from her confidence, but they're able to key off of her so that they know kind of where they should be at the start of the race. And a woman from Amherst took it out really hot. I think it was around 530 for that first mile. And Jill was was smart in her pacing. And then we had a fleet of women about 10 seconds behind her. And we never moved backwards. We only moved forwards as a team, which was fantastic to see. And a first year got all NESCAC with a seventh place showing Elizabeth Holcomb. To, um, she's obviously had a, a breakout meet for her. and She's had a good year so far in the three meets she's competed in. But, I mean, what, what really stands out about what she's been able to do as a rookie? Elizabeth is tough as nails, and she, I think, loves to race. And you need to have those two traits to really perform at a high level, but especially at the championship level. And the fact that she broke 22 minutes as a freshman is pretty darn spectacular. Certainly. And Frida Kicklider also had a big race as a senior all-NESCAC for her second team. Yeah. Uh, Frida's been just every week been improving. And I think she's just having fun with it. And we talk to the, the women and the men all the time about the best teams are usually the loosest and the most confident. And I just think uh, both teams, and especially the women, just felt comfortable going out there and doing it for each other. And it really showed in the results. 
And obviously, you know, those are some of the top finishers, but uh, Phoebe Pohl almost got all NASCAR with 15th, and so you have to be really pleased about some of the depth because she's only a sophomore. Having four in the top 15 yeah. is fantastic, and I know that Jordan Wilson, who's one of our mm-hmm. other senior captains, fell off ever so slightly, but I know very confidently that she will be there with Phoebe and her teammates in two weeks at Bowdoin. Yeah, speaking of that, so this was kind of a tune-up, right? Because NESCACs are important in cross-country, but really the regionals are what decides who's going to go to the NCAAs, right? So what are your thoughts on the regionals coming up? Regionals are very important, but I think, uh, just to be clear, I think NESCACs is is, is super important Uh, uh to our team for a variety of reasons. Obviously, just the um, the feeling of, of... bragging rights within the conference because mm. our conference is basically like regionals and i would argue regionals is even softer than the conference meet mm. just because in our in our region it's just mit and then it's tufts and colby okay and it's a pretty far drop from there gotcha gotcha so yeah. really i mean it sounds like it's going to be uh well because i mean tufts is pretty good right but um you know for regionals mit is a team that's always you know going to be a real tough competitor right yeah and i think we just have to uh be smart at the start of the Bowden race because that course is pancake flat and people will go out very hard and i think we just need to stick to how we've been pack running and just progressing throughout the race Let's go over to the men's race now because they got fifth, mm-hmm. um, and they were able to edge, uh, if I believe correctly, Tufts, right? Mm-hmm. It was really close. <laughs> Very close. Yeah. They um, they went out with all of the leaders, and the pace was even more blistering than the women's race. Mm. I think the top guys went out um, around 435 or even a little bit quicker, which is – for some, of, for some of the guys on their team, um, that might have been close to their PR in an open mile. And yeah. the fact that they came through a little under 440 for our top five guys, they really gutted it out and fought strong. I didn't see any um, relent or give up by any of the guys, and they had to do that hill twice. And I just feel like the level of focus and engagement, especially on a course that was as difficult as that, like I just saw a lot of grit, and that really gave me some optimism for two weeks from now with the regional meet. I was going to say, is it a similar dynamic with the men in terms of regionals versus NESCACs and how it shapes up? Yeah, by and large. I mean, yeah. the, it's the same, um, l- like those four teams yeah. for the regional meet. Um, Colby obviously has a really strong team. Colby's team is really strong, but yeah. we, I think the guys also remember that at the main state meet, we beat them. So mm-hmm. it's wholly doable. I think it's just making sure that you know there are certain things that you can control on meet day. But there are so many things that are out of our control. And between second and sixth place uh, this past weekend was 36 points. So that's a very small margin between Colby at whatever their score was mm. to Tufts at one point behind us. Interesting. Okay. I thought I was just remembering that and the guys not not looking too hard into the overall team finish. Eli Beshdining led the way, all NESCAC second team with a 13th place finish. As a senior captain, what's his leadership been like? How has he been able to really have an, another tremendous year? Because I think uh, we talked to him a few weeks ago on the Bobcast. He mentioned, obviously, the COVID year was frustrating, and last year had dealt with some injuries, and now he seems to be back at full strength. Big thing for Eli and a lot of the guys is just not only trusting the process, but it's like the consistency in the training. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the workouts that we've been doing each week aren't over-the-top seeing stars. These are more controlled cut downs that are really trying to mimic how we want to race and for Eli especially he and I spoke his big thing is that if he can be there with the leaders through three and a half miles he's not going to be moving from that point on but it's that first portion of the the race that I think is the toughest for him but he's been committing to being up there with the leaders because as you saw in his race he belongs up there yeah so 
Well, the first portion of the race is always interesting to me because it is such a mass of people, <laughs> right? Absolutely. I mean, it's such a huge, I mean, over 100, obviously, people competing, over 200, I think, competing individuals. And so from a cross-country, you know, strategy perspective, how do you see kind of the beginning of the race? What do you tell your runners about how to make sure you don't get buried early kind of, right? It's funny you bring that up because at the Con College invite, there was 400 runners, which yeah. is abnormal, right? <laughs> at the national championship, there's a little under 300. Uh-huh. But it's very easy in a race to go out really hard. It's very easy to lose a race in the first mile, mm. but it's very hard to win a race. And so we right. really try to practice some patience so that it's an 8K. It's almost five miles. That as long as we are in a decent position to start, but not so far up. And I think that was one of the things that we took a risk on this past weekend. Did it pan out for us? Not entirely, but I still think that we learned a valuable lesson from it. And I just think that we just have to be diligent with how we start because we can sit back a little bit through 2,000 meters, and then there's another 6K where we can just mow people down. Excellent. And I want to ask another thing. You, as a first-year head coach here, I feel like you've scheduled fewer meets than in the past, more rest time, if you will. Mm -hmm. Well, training time, perhaps, right, for the team. What's the strategy there? I'm a believer in the emotional container theory, which is each season you start off with an imaginary mason jar that is full to the brim with your emotional, spiritual, physical, and mental energy. But every time you race, you're pouring some of that out. And if anybody that's ever run cross-country before knows, these races take a lot out of you. And so I'm trying to be smart to make sure that every kid has enough energy, especially come championship season, and so that we are not falling flat when it matters most. Excellent. And then, you know, looking at just kind of the times here, it looks like, I mean, guys were pretty bunched together, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Ryan Smith, Victor Caring, Ned Farrington, all very close, right? Yeah, and uh, Victor, I thought, had a fabulous race because mm-hmm. I, I – I think it's really easy because those guys started to separate a little bit from three to four miles from each other. That's very easy to kind of fall asleep when you're by yourself because of the pain of racing. And all those guys hung tough, but especially Victor, I saw just uh, a relentlessness in how he was racing. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a junior. Um, you know, obviously this is your first year, but what are you seeing kind of from the development standpoint over the course of the year from maybe these runners because it's a pretty experienced men's team i'm looking at mostly upperclassmen there right there's a lot of experience on the upperclassmen side but there's also a lot of underclassmen that have been coming on very strong Mm -hmm. specifically andrew motter krishna kakani and ben uh huston have just been tearing it up that i have a good problem on my hands in two (laughs) weeks of trying to you know decide who will be racing we can only have seven people race you know at nescax you can have 15 race so i'm trying to have as many data points with the racing as well as the training to make those decisions to give our team the best chance to go to nationals. I look at it not as a competition Uh because I want the culture for the men and women to be doing it for each other. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I never want them to be racing for their spot. It's more of me looking at how their training's going, how their energy systems are. You know, I talk about like how many times they're racing to make the best decision for the team. Excellent. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because Sometimes you get caught up with, you know, in racing in general, whether it be cross-country or track and fields, like, oh, individual, but this is very much team. <laughs> it's very much team, yeah. and, and we need to have uh, everybody on board together for us to have a good chance to keep going. Help us out in terms of what you have to do at regionals to maybe get into NCAAs. It's always interesting because the regions changed last year, so it's just as I was starting to figure it out, now it's completely different in terms of what you need to do, kind of, right? It's very convoluted. Yes. So there are 10 regions now. Yep. There's only one automatic qualifier. There used to be two. So whoever wins the regions automatically. Sure. And then there's 22 at-large bids. Okay. So what 
each region has a committee rep that will be advocating for those that finish below the top finishing team. And what they do is they cross compare Bates's victories over other teams, right? So us beating Colby early in the season, this sounds odd, but any victories that Colby has, we also get from them, even though they also beat us. And so basically if Colby goes, then there's like a, it's like who's next up, meaning like if you are so right now, I think we are third in the region on the men's side, second on the women's right. side. So they're basically going across all 10 regions and saying, okay, who's the number two in the region? Okay, who did they win and lose to? And it's this very um, difficult to understand, and it seems borderline too subjective, but that's how they are determining um, who goes on the at-large bid. I remember in last year, if I recall correctly, my memory is not perfect, but the Bates men went to nationals even though they were um i think fourth in the region yeah and the the east region is usually pretty deep yeah just because there's so much um talent and and strong teams so usually there's anywhere from four to six teams per year that are coming from the region and then there's other regions that have none or one or two interesting it is it's very interesting (laughs) and it always gives me uh indigestion you know trying to leave it up to that but uh, are you feeling pretty good if the team gets a top three and or top two there at regionals? Obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we're not focusing necessarily on, on the placement, but just sticking to what we can control. And, I mean, both teams are getting done the training and feeling healthy and fit, and I think that's that'll take us to where we need to go. I'm not looking too far ahead here, I hope, but Jill, um, you know, I'll look in NCAAs possibly how high she might. I mean, she was All-American last year. I mean, it seems like the sky's the limit of how high she could finish individually. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not s- certain just because I haven't done enough research sure. on the rest of the the, the country yeah. in that respect. But boy, um, you know, the the last 1,200 meters of her race was an equivalent to a sub 530 mile, mm. which to be able to do that at the end of the race, and you compare that to the week two weeks before that at Con College, where it was 10 seconds slower over that last 1,200 meters. I mean, she's just. I have no idea what her limit is, right. and yet she's been getting faster and faster than she's ever been before. So I'm, I'm very optimistic that she's going to keep rolling to regionals and to nationals, hopefully. All right, Danny. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast and recapping an exciting NETSCAC championships for both cross-country teams as they will compete in the regionals, not this weekend, but the following weekend. Thanks again. Correct. Thanks, Aaron. On Tuesday, women's cross-country first year, Elizabeth Holcomb was named the NESCAC Rookie of the Year as the first year placed 7th out of 145 runners at the conference championships, becoming the first Bobcat ever to be a first-team all-NESCAC performer and the conference's Rookie of the Year in the same season. And Elizabeth Holcomb is our female Bobcat of the Week. Well, Elizabeth, first of all, first year here at Bates, coming from Maryland, how did this school get on your radar for college, and what made you decide it was the place for you? I've always loved Maine. Um, I just think it's really quite beautiful up here, and I knew I wanted to be at a small school, and, you know, I was touring around at lots of NESCACs, and I just think um, it was a warm campus, and I really liked the culture. I could just tell it was, like a warm group of people so yeah great when did you start running cross country um i think i started running in seventh grade so it wasn't super serious in middle school but um i stuck with it uh during high school so yeah when did you start to think i can run in college um i i think i knew semi early on (laughs) um i i was definitely pretty good my freshman year of high school too um and 
I knew I wanted to be at a D3 program. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like the balance of having a social life and learning and studying, but also doing something that's really important to me. But I just think, like, the balance of everything in this program it really works for me. So you um, grew up in California and then yeah. moved to the East Coast. What was yes. that move like for you? Um, it was it was a weird transition. It was it was in the middle of the pandemic, so I spent okay. yeah. yeah, so I spent a lot of time um, not really knowing a lot of people, and it was hard to meet people. But I I spent a lot of time running, yeah. and I spent a lot of time with the cross country team. I feel really really grateful that. Even though school was closed, I mean, was still all online, we still got to have a season. So um, that was kind of a really big deal <laughs> that year. Um, so, yeah. What's it like to be all NESCAC as a first year here? Oh, my goodness. I didn't, I really didn't expect that um, going in, but it feels really exciting. Um, yeah, I didn't expect it in myself. And then, I don't know, I had a really strong race and... Like, I was just surrounded by positive energy and positive people um, who made me race well. So, yeah, it was, it was really exciting. Take us through the race. Like, what were some moments maybe that stood out? I mean, I know the start is always interesting because there's so many people at once. Yeah, no, it's it's <laughs> a lot of people, and it's this, like, downhill start, so everyone's going out really fast. But I think what's been really special this season, especially for me, is we have, like, I have this pack of us four girls who are really close and pace and time um and I think running in a group during races like really changes your mentality and I think it make for me it makes it a lot easier because you have a lot of people pushing you so I don't know we're, we're in our little square two by two square running for a lot of it or um or in like a straight line and I don't know it, make, it makes you feel powerful it makes it feel a little more I don't know I feel more capable mm. um yeah, it was hard. <laughs> I was I, I gave it my all. I would definitely say at the end, my legs kind of felt like lead. But, um, yeah, I felt strong. It felt really good. Excellent. So, yeah. Tell us about that pack of four. Yeah, so it's it's me and then Frida, Jordan, and Phoebe, two of them are seniors, one's a sophomore. Um, and I think it's been really special. We've been able to, like, train as a group, race as a group, and I think – I mean, I really love these women, and I've, like, spent so much time at practice and outside of practice with them, and I think there's really no competitive n- negative nature. Like, there's nothing like that with us. It's I think we all really want everyone to succeed, and having the three of them to push me and hopefully me pushing them um, feels really good. So, the, yeah. yeah. The All-American, uh, Jill. Oh what's it like having her on Jill, the team? Jill yeah. Richards. Oh, <laughs> she is lovely um you know she's kind of ahead of all of us in workouts you know I feel bad she doesn't exactly have a set workout partner who can she can run with um but it's it's very cool to be surrounded by just like a group of strong women that I can like I can look up to athletics and outside of athletics like it's just there's a lot of strong personalities that I just really adore. I think it's a really just fun environment for me. Tell us about head coach uh, Danny Felton. So far, I've really, really been enjoying him. I think he's done a really good job of focusing, be, like being thoughtful about training, 
and everything else with each individual runner, like, no matter who they are. Um, and I think it, it's been really nice to have him be mindful of the fact, you know, I'm a, I'm a freshman, I'm just coming in, I don't want to do too much mileage, I don't want to go too crazy where I exhaust myself. Um, so I just really appreciate the fact that he is taking the time to think carefully about what like the individual needs of every single athlete um so I yeah I I really I'm enjoying it yeah great and you mentioned you know coming in as a first year what's been like the biggest adjustment from high school competition maybe to college oh gosh um I don't know I think so far it hasn't the actual like competition aspect hasn't been too crazy different I I I do think there I don't know I think it's been kind of it's been a smooth transition I think I've I've felt I mean there's obviously nerves I'm always going to be a nervous wreck before races like I you know but I'm you know trying to improve on that and I think being surrounded by a group of people who are still gonna like you <laughs> no matter how you race <laughs> I don't know we're there for each other excellent and then um obviously we have regionals coming up a week from Saturday so yeah. you get this weekend off sort of yeah. right yeah, <laughs> kind of right and then hopefully in several days after that but have you thought about track and field season at all because that's always interesting right? yes I I I have thought about track yeah. I I'm three season athlete I I did my first year of indoor track last year when I moved to mm. the east coast that California is not an indoor track no no need for that right um but I'm very excited I I'm definitely more of a, a distance athlete when it comes to track so in high school I did the mile and two mile and you know I don't really know exactly what races I'll be doing in track I think I'm excited to you know have a discussion with my coach and I have been talking with teammates about the events they do and how it works for them and blah 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 um but I'm excited to try steeplechase. Mm. I don't know. Something about it just sounds fun. Um, maybe the 5K, the 3K. So, yeah, I'm really excited. On the men's side, senior captain Eli Besh Dining finished in 13th place, which was good for second-team All-NESCAC honors, the first All-NESCAC finish of his career. He paced the Bobcats at the meet, and now they have two weeks to prepare for regionals. Eli Besh Dining is our male Bobcat of the Week. Well, we first talked with Eli Besh Dining this year after the Bobcats won the main state meet, and now Eli's back here on the Bobcast after a second-team all-NESCAC performance, your first all-NESCAC. So uh, take us through the race. I understand it was a pretty uh, pretty fast course. That was your fastest ever uh, AK in cross-country there. Yeah, that was a pretty nice PR for me, and it was great being all-NESCAC uh, for the first time. Going in, we were looking at the course map and looking at the elevation using, like, a couple online tools, and it didn't look too hilly. But then once we got there and we're doing the course walkthrough, I was like, oh, this is going to hurt a bit. And indeed it did. It was uh, rolling hills. It was a beautiful course, though. Great scenery, all grass. So that was it was really fun to run on. Just the, the hills hurt a bit. <laughs> yeah, and I was talking with Coach Feldman. He mentioned that for you, uh, getting off to a good start is really crucial. So how take us through the start of the race. Cause that's always fascinating for me because there's so many runners all going at once. <laughs> <laughs> sure. 
Yeah, so after uh, Con College, we went out in a bit of a slow start, and we all got separated. It was a huge race, like 400 people, and you really just had to sprint out to get a good position at the start. So this past weekend, we really overcorrected, and <laughs> my my pack, which was Ryan, Ned, Victor, Sam, and I, went up, and we're in like the top 10 or 15 from the first 200 meters or so. So we were really up there, but then the the pace was a little hot on the first mile. I believe we went through in 4:39, and it was we mostly averaged 4:58 mm. thereabout. So it was a little hot to start. I um I think in the future going out in the higher 450s would be a bit nicer. So I would have a little bit more energy to kick at the end. In terms of like calculating almost in your head what pace you're going at, what's that like for you? How do you do that? So the last couple of years, I haven't been wearing a watch during races just so it doesn't psych me out constantly looking at the pace. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so it's really all by feel. Yeah. I mean, I just run with who I normally am around, and if they're up at the front, I go with them. And so it's kind of hard to pace. I've never been the best pacer in workouts. Some people are pretty good and hit can hit the times right on every time, but me, I'm usually fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but normally it goes fine. I mean, all of the races have been pretty consistent. So it sounds like for the team, con, you went out maybe too slowly. Mm-hmm. This one maybe a little too quickly. So you, yeah. ha- you have two weeks to g- get the happy medium for Bowdoin, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah. Tell me a little bit about regionals coming up here. Cause I know for you, I mean, I don't think you got to compete at regionals last season, right? Is that fair or? I did compete okay. last season, but I did not finish the race. Unfortunately, I was dealing with really low iron and right. I was pretty sick that weekend. So it didn't got. Did not go so well, and I'm hoping to redeem myself. Yeah, you must be excited for this opportunity, right? Oh, yeah, I really yeah. am. And it's at Bowdoin, which freshman year was quite a fast course, so I'm excited to do it again. Yeah, because Hamilton, you mentioned, you know, rolling hills, but Bowdoin, as far as I understand, is just flat. Pancake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How does that change the race from your perspective? Is there a risk of going out too quickly or slowly? I don't know. <laughs> um, so I think we'll try to find a sweet spot yeah. this time and go out a little slower, but it should be a faster race overall. I think a number of us will have PRs. Nine people PR'd at, yeah. uh, this past weekend, even though it was hilly. So I expect Bowden, most people should have big PRs. And yeah. then uh, Colby's going to be in that race again, right? Yep. That's kind of, I mean, they got second at Nescaxe, but the separation wasn't a whole lot, right? So it should be interesting, right? <laughs> sure. I mean, they have the really low stick in Tyler Morris, yeah. but on a good day, we should be able to beat them. Mm. It was just not a great day for the men's team. Yeah. Uh, so this coming up in regionals, I expect MIT to be the first place team because they're nationally ranked in the top five. Mm. But then... If we have a good day, I think we can very well come in second. And how much, you mentioned, you know, tracking how your teammates are doing in terms of running with them. Mm-hmm. How much are you paying attention to what the Colby runners are doing or the MIT runners two weeks from now? How, how much are the other runners a factor? Mostly we just try to run as a pack yeah. and ignore what other people are doing yeah. uh, and not let them determine our race strategy because you can't control how they're going to race, but you can control how your race goes. Uh, but, I mean, there are typical characters, like Colby, Ben Miller is all always around us, and I've mm. beaten him the last couple races, but he outkicked me in the last 50 oh. meters this past weekend. Uh, 
And in terms of Bowden, they have a couple of fast guys, but if Ned and Victor are with Ryan and I, then we should all be in front of them. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I hope we just have a strong little pack. Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously, you know, you got to compete in NCAAs as a first year. Mm -hmm. um, uh, this year, I mean, how excited are you for that possibility again? I mean, it comes down to kind of the regional, right? But at the same time, you've gotten some – you beat Colby earlier this year, so you've gotten some credit for that, as Coach was saying. So Sure. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to go back. I actually did go last year, but I didn't race. Right. Uh, again, I was hoping I would be better in the following week, but I wasn't. How frustrating uh, was that to watch and not being able to compete? It was, it was really frustrating. Yeah. I mean, it was fantastic to see the team do really well. Yeah. Uh, but it was really disheartening to not be able to contribute to that. So I am really looking for this redeeming shot this year. And it won't be in uh, – Louisville this time, so it'll be interesting to see Lansing, Michigan. Lansing, Michigan, there. It's a, probably a place you've never been. No. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been to Michigan. Okay. And then, so you'll once again have to do a little course research, I imagine. So yeah. Hopefully, right? Well, so, yeah. Yeah. If we make it, we'll yeah. go two days out and we'll mm. get to run the course and we'll, we'll be all good. We'll be prepared. Oh, interesting. So um, for nationals, do you, have, you you run it like as a practice run or do you walk it just like a jog yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. just a light jog yeah. we we normally do that with all the away meets okay. so like we went up on friday to nezcax and mm -hmm. then we jogged the course the day before and then we were all ready to run it great what are, you, what are you kind of looking for when you do that uh kind of looking for like the best tangents when you're running the course uh cutting curves, oh sure yeah running the least amount and also just where the hills are so you can kind of do a little race visualization and plan where you want to surge and whatnot. Now, you have a very interesting – you're an environmental studies major, right? Mm -hmm. And I think you had a really interesting internship this past summer. I know we covered it um, at, at the communications office. Tell me a little bit about that internship. Yeah. Uh, so I worked for MOFCA, the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association, which was really cool because I went to the Common Ground Fair, which they're most famous for uh, my freshman year, and then it was canceled the next two years. And I really enjoyed it my freshman year, uh, and it was – so cool to go back. I was working on the Unity campus where the Common Ground Fair is. Uh, so just to see that area without the fair happening on it. But I was splitting my time between their main heritage orchard and the office. And in the orchard, I would do normal uh, laborial tasks like weeding, looking for various insects, like particularly the... I think it's round-headed apple borer, which is a, can be a big problem. Mm. They bore into the central trunk, and if it's a young sapling, they can kill the tree. Oh. So you look for a little orange frass, which is like sawdust coming out of their hole, and so you pull them out if you find them. Uh, and just applying various like coatings like neem and kalanite clay. Uh, and then the other... Two days a week, I would work in the office, and I made a ArcGIS map for them of the various orchards, and that was kind of fun. I also helped update the orchard website, and the changes just went live a couple weeks ago. Oh, so nice. That, that was pretty cool to see. I also made a brochure for the orchard. Yeah. So is this something you, you know, you're looking at in terms of a career and stuff? Possibly. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what I want to do for a career. I think I'm going to go to grad school. Okay. Uh, but I do really love Mofka, and they have a great mission, and I think everyone there is doing great work. In terms of grad school, I mean, would you 
consider trying to run somewhere because I know there's that extra year of eligibility everyone has because of COVID. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I do have that. Um, <laughs> I applied for a Fulbright in nice. Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully that works out. Yeah. But if it doesn't, I will be applying to Northeastern as well. Mm. And I could run there. Although the reason why I went to Bates instead of Tufts was largely because I didn't want to run in the Boston area and on pavement. Oh, all the time. okay. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe, maybe not. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Interesting. Well, looking forward to seeing uh, how the season progresses here. You know, two more meets, hopefully here, regionals and then hopefully NCAAs. And then after that, uh, track and field season gets going. But Eli, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcats. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. The football team fell 41-28 at Williams on Saturday, falling behind early before rallying to cut the deficit to six in the third quarter. But the Eves pulled away for the win, dropping the Bobcats to 2-5 and five on the season with two games remaining. Head coach Matt Coyne breaks down Saturday's game. Well, Coach, kind of another offensive shootout there Saturday at Williams. Obviously, the Bobcats got to a slow start. were able to kind of get back in the game as it went along, but a two-score deficit is tough to come back from early on like that, right? Yeah, and it's uh, especially on the road against you know a really good program. You know Williams, uh, as I said it uh, last week, that their record doesn't reflect you know how well coached they are and, and the talent that they have. And you know we just gave up too many big plays, and it was uh, some things that you know we had went over all week, um, and so it was a little frustrating on that end. Um, obviously, you know starts with myself and the staff figuring out how to you know have those concepts stick um, you know better with our players, but. Ultimately, you know, they didn't show us really anything different um, in, in those passing concepts. So it was, it was a little disappointing just in our execution early on. Um, but again, I think one of the, the highlights was, you know, down 13 nothing. We didn't pack it in. We, we fought back and, you know, had every opportunity as we got, you know, into that second half, you know, making it 27-21 and um, just didn't make enough plays. Yeah, the big plays, I mean, obviously, I, you know, the quarterback was a true dual threat, I suppose. So was that a kind of a problem for the defense a little bit? Yeah, no, it was just, uh, you know, crossing routes, man. It's just a, yeah. it's a, something we call cross-country, and we've seen it every week, to be quite honest. And I'm sure we're going to see it this week against Trinity because it's one of their top concepts as well. And, um, you know, it's just deep crossers, and, and you know, we just uh, were a little late on it. And, you know, that made it so that, you know, the quarterback really didn't have too many tough throws to make. And, and that was something that... Um, we obviously knew they wanted to run the ball more, but uh, we, we obviously need to be more sticky in the pass coverage. Now, offensively, you know, 28 points again this past week. Um, it feels like you could have had more, though. It seemed like there were some chances there, right? Yeah, we just didn't make a, a ton of plays. You know, there were some balls that uh, Colton put up there that, you know, we, we had opportunities there, and it just didn't come down with it and some good concepts. That, you know, I think, again, I think we're finding – um, a good identity on offense um, and, and putting our best 11 out there and figuring out the ways to get the ball in the hands of our best players. Um, you know, I think you know Williams did a good job defensively of, of switching up a little bit too from what they've done and, and trying to deal with our empty package and, um, you know, things of that nature. And, and we were able to run the ball here and there effectively as well. Um, but, you know, again, it just comes down to, you know, making those plays when the, when the number's called. And um, we just didn't play well enough to deserve the win up there. And then um, you went for on fourth down six times, unfortunately couldn't convert those opportunities. Was that a big difference in terms of putting up more points? Yeah, and I think, you know, five of the six, we were in sort of that no man's land yeah. where we were on, like, you know, their, you know, inside of their 38 where it's like, 
you know, the benefit versus punting it um, versus the ability, you know, with our receivers and with Colton. I felt, you know, very confident in it. Um, and, and ultimately, a couple of those picks turned out to be actually, you know, quote-unquote yeah. good interceptions. Yeah. Just taking a shot yeah. to, you know, A, get, yeah. a, get a penalty or A, have a guy make a play. It's sort of similar to our Bowden game when we went from 4th and 15 from the 34. Mm. Um, and we're going to be aggressive with that, you know, just situation in that game. Um, the one early on, it was fourth and one, and, and ultimately, you know, that was probably, you know, the riskiest one to take, and, and it didn't hurt us. You know, we, we didn't get it. The concept was wide open. It got batted down, and unfortunately, that's just how it works sometimes, but then we were able to get the stop on defense, so it really didn't affect us, mm-hmm. um, but the other five were in that no-man's land where we're going to go for that, you know, 100% of the yeah. time. And then Thomas Farmers had a block punt on special teams, a big special teams play for you guys. Uh, what did you see from him? He was pretty active, it seemed like, on Saturday. Tom's been great all yeah. year, and I think uh, ultimately, you know, he made a sacrifice to move down to the second level for us to play that strike Sam backer, um, and, and he plays his heart out. Um, I have a lot of respect for Tom, and, and I think, you know, he's grown up a lot in this season as a leader and just as somebody that comes to work every day and, and plays physical, plays hard. And on that punt, I mean, he just shot it at the right time, and, you know, he was sort of baiting them all game, and it was, uh, you know, it was a pretty impactful play. You know, right before half, it's 27-7, to 7, we get the punt blocked. And, you know, now we're 27-14 with the ball coming out. And um, that was a big sort of turning point for us to get back into that game. Um, and, and, you know, we just needed to make a few more plays in that second half. Christian Oliveri made probably the catch of the year. I mean, I tweeted at SportsCenter. There were like a thousand other one-handed catches that day, I guess. But <laughs> pretty spectacular, right? Yeah, Ollie's a warrior, man. He's a special kid. Um, you know, and I think he's, you know, obviously – as we're into week eight, I think everybody's a little banged up. Everybody's a, a little, you know, sore. And, you know, he's a kid that gets a lot of usage. And, you know, he's a unbelievable talent, works hard, and has a great mentality, too. He's just a team guy um, and super talented. You know, I mean, that catch was ridiculous, uh, the, the, the way he made it. And it was a big point in the game that made it 27-21, I believe. That mm-hmm. was the, the, the drive there. And then, you know, so I, I have nothing but, you know, a lot of respect and, you know, admiration for Ollie for what he's done throughout this year. In terms of, you know, Trinity coming into town this week, obviously they're undefeated. Uh, I know they like to they run the ball a fair amount, don't they? Yeah, you know, Trinity's, you know, they're a very good team, um, obviously being undefeated, and, and they played a lot of good opponents. Um, you know, they're big up front on both sides of the ball, very physical, um, and, and they still have, you know, Spencer Fetters, a quarterback. Uh, you know, he's operating at a high level right now, and he's got – couple good receivers you know it's a very good all-around team um, and we know the challenge um, we understand it and and for us it's just about focusing on ourselves and coming out and competing and, and being there from the first minute to the last and, and getting better in, in what we want to do um, and going out there and and just playing hard and competing for 60 minutes um, and I think that's been the motto all year for the guys on defense is there a risk, you mentioned the crossing routes have been giving you guys trouble, is there a risk of like overthinking that type of stuff? Because like, you start to like think, oh, I don't want to give up a big play, and then you, you give up one. I mean, it shouldn't, right, you know, right, to be right. quite yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. It, it really shouldn't, and I think it's just one of those where, you know, you're going to, teams are going to scheme up things that are going to beat you at times. You know what I'm saying? It's just one of those where, you know, when it's the same play that mm-hmm. we've seen, that that's when it's more difficult, and you just got to wash it and move forward. I mean, you know, we talked about it before the game. It's, you know, people get, you know, sad and, and depressed when they think about the past in a game. People get anxious and nervous when they think about what's going to happen in the future in yeah. the game. It's like just put your feet in the moment um, and just keep, you know, treat every second like its own. And, and whatever happened previously, you can't do nothing about it. So go back out there and just trust your reads. Trust what, you know, 
the coaches have taught you know coach Ergo talks about it all the time just you know see a little sees a lot you know what i'm saying do your job read your keys do your 111th and you'll be fine and just can't let that stuff compound and we sort of had that happen to us on saturday and it, and it was uh, when you're facing good teams and um, on the road those are tough obstacles to overcome this, se- this Saturday is senior day, last home game of the season. Um, 20 seniors, they've really, I think, I mean, a lot of them came back for an extra year, and they've really helped kind of stabilize the program during a time where it may not have been as stable as people would have liked. And what can you say about what this group has meant uh, during your your you know few months here at Bates, I suppose, right? Yeah, I mean, that, there's no words to describe sort of the impact that they've had here. Um, and I don't think, you know, they'll really realize it until um, after it's done. It's, it's one of those things, as a former player, I, I sure – as heck didn't myself um but just from my end i mean i just have a lot of respect for the guys for what you know they've gone through positively negatively and and indifferently and just uh you know sort of their maturity and what they've done you know to to like you said stabilize the program um bring experience back and also like welcome myself and our staff and and really trust in us and and uh compete for us and i think you know we look at it every week, and we look at you know how we've grown as a team from last year to this year, and I think it's it's very evident that there's a lot of, of advancements that have been made, and I think you know a large part of that is in, is due to these upperclassmen that have bought in and and sort of set a new standard for this program going forward. All right, senior day Saturday at one against Trinity, coach. Thanks so much. Thank you. The field hockey team lost a one nothing heartbreaker to Tufts in the NESCAC quarterfinals on Saturday, while men's soccer beat Colby 1-0 last Tuesday, and the women tied the Mules 1-1 in the season finale for both teams. Volleyball wrapped up its season last weekend as well with losses to Amherst and Williams. We'll chat with players from each of these teams next week as we begin to wrap up the fall and move into the winter on the Bates Bobcast. Bobcast. <laughs>